Well, welcome to the Thrive Women's Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening today and that uh, whatever you're doing while you listen, we know most of the time we're always multitasking with the podcast. So if you're folding laundry, great job. It's almost done. But Lisa, good to see you. Good to, good to see you, Angie. So good to see you. You're looking dazzling and amazing today. And um, <laughs> I... Kind. Everyone needs that greeting when they log on to Zoom. <laughs> you've, got, you've got that glow going, which is a reminder that this is the big birthday week for you. Oh my gosh, I it love is. birdays. So tell me what's cooking for you. What is, what does birthday week for Angie look like? You know By the way, it's not birthdays, it's birth, birth weeks. <laughs> birth weeks. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably a little more honoring to our moms than everything they went through. Um, you know what's funny about my birthday? I have a lot of friends with uh birthdays this week. So it's like every day there's someone else. So um I feel like it's a lot of excuses to go to dinner or meet up with someone and just celebrate all those birthdays. But last year was a big one. It was the big four zero which is tough to swallow. So I kind of was thinking of just saying like, I think 41's the new 40. Let's just pretend this is 40 again. Cause last year was kind of funky and you know, good old COVID stuff, but yeah, I'm excited. It'll be a fun weekend. What are you, what are you looking forward to in your 41st year? (laughs) Oh boy. Um, you know, I mean, this sounds kind of silly, but I'm very much looking forward to it not being as big of a deal. Like, I think when you turn 40, even mentally, it's like, oh, you're in a new decade. Feels very old. Feels like things start breaking a little bit more. But I really respect people who age and are kind of like, it's just a number. Like, there's still right. things I want to learn, still things, you know. Those of you listening are like, oh my gosh, you're a baby. This is I'm, ridiculous. I'm my violin out right now going, no, okay, I know. Welcome, welcome to the 50s. But yes, I know. Yes, I remember you that. Yes. Every decade, you pro- like everyone kind of has that thought. So um, it's not a big deal. There's still yeah. a lot to learn and do and experience and all the things. God was all about old people in the Bible. He just, you know, he was always calling people up to do mighty things in their life. And they were all past the age that society would have said not possible. And so they also um, lived we, to be like 300 years old. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is true. Well, happy birthday, my friend. And what an exciting birthday present to release that great conversation that we had with a de- our dear friend, Sheila Walsh. And if you don't know her, she is an author, Bible teacher, and a television host impacting potentially 100 million people daily as a co-host of the Life Today program. Also, a re- uh, international recording artist. She's recorded multiple albums with many top singles, and um, but she's also an author, and she sold, you know, five and a half million copies, including bestsellers. It's okay to not be okay, and her new book, which we talk about, holding on when you want to let go. Um, she loves the Bible. Practically, she loves sharing about how God has met her at her lowest point and helped her to rise up again. But the message that God has given her to share is that God is faithful and that he is holding on to you. So enjoy our 
wonderful conversation with the lovely Sheila Walsh. Uh, well, welcome Sheila Walsh to our podcast. We're so excited to have you here today and in an effort to get to know you a little bit better and, and introduce you to maybe new listeners who are getting to know you. We're going to play a little Christmas game called This or That Christmas Edition. Love it. So I'm going to ask a couple, make a few statements and you're going to tell us kind of what it looks like for you. You ready? Ready. Okay. So fake or real tree? Real tree. <laughs> Ooh, do you cut it down or do you go to a Christmas lot? Well, at first I have to have a, some kind of arm wrestling con competition with my husband because he would go fake all the time because he doesn't like things falling on the floor. And I'm like, that's part of, that's part of the season. It's supposed to fall on the floor. So we usually end up with um, a fake one and a real one. Okay. Which one do you like best though? The real one. The real one. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so white lights or colored lights? White lights. I love white lights. Um, I grew up with colored lights. In Scotland, my mom had bulbs that were, I mean, you could have landed planes that were so big <laughs> and they were colored. But, but I've always liked white lights. I think that just looks so kind of romantic. Agree. How about Christmas ham or turkey or neither? Turkey. Yeah, I actually personally love ham, but my husband and my 25-year-old son are not fans of ham. So we usually end up with a big turkey and a little ham for me. <laughs> I, love, I love how you compromise you and your husband. So far, I'm just loving how you do things. Okay. That's well, we've been married for 27 years, so you kind of have to. <laughs> yeah. All right. We've been married for 30. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting with a new strategy when I go home. Uh, okay. So online shopper or in-store shopper? Well, it's changed. I think the pandemic changed everything for all of us. I used to be an in-store shopper just because I like the wandering part and the grabbing a cup of coffee and then wandering again part. But I've actually become quite used to ordering online now. And the, the wild thing is like with Amazon, before I've hit return, it's at the front door. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they do that, but it's it's amazing. I feel so bad. The other day I ordered one thing from Amazon, a little Yeti cup for my husband. And I was like, I feel so bad. They're going to make this all this effort for one item, but it was there by five o'clock. So no. I know it's crazy. Okay. So peppermint mocha or peppermint tea? Peppermint mocha. I don't believe anything with um, t associated with tea should have the word peppermint in front of it. Wow. Uh, this whole herbal tea thing. That's, I mean, I grew up in Scotland with good, strong British tea that you put milk and sugar in. And I remember the first time I came to America and somebody said to me, would you like some tea? And I said, I'd love some. And they presented this huge glass with ice in it and some kind of brown liquid. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to pray for this nation. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm definitely not an herbal tea or a peppermint tea person, unless I was like really sick. And then I might be able to squeeze over my lips. Yeah. That peppermint is, tea doesn't have the Christmas, the Christmas feelings as a peppermint mocha. Not the same. No, thing. no. I would feel like I was mourning if I was having peppermint tea. Yeah. Spoken like a, from a true tea drinker. You've just raised the bar for us. Okay. Final question. A little bonus question. In your stockings, do you wrap the gifts or are they unwrapped? In the stockings, they're unwrapped. Under the tree, they're all wrapped. But in the stockings, unwrapped. Okay. So fun. Love it. Well, now that we've got the important questions out of the yes. way, I, uh, tell us a 
little bit about what life in this season looks like for you, ministry and family. Um, yeah, what makes up your days at this this time? Yeah, it's kind of a fun time at the moment. We I've finished. I did my last speaking engagement um, last week, and so now I'm home. And our twenty, our son turned twenty five years old today, and he's Aww. back living with us for a few months um, before he his classes have all gone online. You know, he's in graduate school doing clinical psychology, so it's it's kind of it's different when your son comes home at twenty five than when he was yeah. at home. When he was 18, he kind of has the bottom. We live in a townhouse, a three-story townhouse, and he has the bottom floor. And yeah. we have the top floor and we meet in the middle. But it's, and the interesting thing is he's got, we've got two dogs. We have a Bichon and a Yorkie. And Christian has two cats, two beautiful Siberian cats. And those do not all dwell well together. There's not a lot no. of peace on earth at the moment. <laughs> You got to keep those separated by that middle floor. We do. We do. If if the cats want to come out and run around, then the dogs have to be up, upstairs and vice versa. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, tell us about just your call to ministry and how that has evolved over the years. Um, I remember hearing from you the first time I was at a Women of Faith conference, like in the late 90s. Um, in yeah. Sacramento when you came on tour. Um, but just thinking about what God's called you to, and what does it look like to stay faithful to God, even when your call changes over time? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. You know, I remember I was brought up on the west coast of Scotland in a small fishing town, and I gave my life to Christ when I was 11. But when I was 16, I went to see a movie, and it was basically portraying the life of Christ. And I remember when it came to the crucifixion scene, even though I'd read that over and over, you know, in my Bible since I was a child, it somehow it hit me in a fresh way. And I remember that when the movie was over, all my friends left and, and I didn't, I just stayed there because I thought, Lord, if you did that for me, then I'm, I'm all in. I mean, I basically said to the Lord at that point, whatever you want me to do for the rest of my life, I am all in. And I remember going home and writing down three things that I felt called to. And number one was evangelism. Um, number two was um, sharing the word of God, teaching the word of God. And number three was caring for the poor. And over the years, I've watched how the Lord has allowed me to do all three of those things in different ways. At the moment, I work with, um, it's called Life, Life Today, a TV show. And our ministry is Life Outreach International. That's been started by a couple called James and Betty Robeson. But I get to, you know, I'm on TV two or three days a week and I get to teach the word of God. But I also get to do all our mission projects. So um, whether it's mission feeding, and then I'll be in Angola or I'll be in Zambia or up in um, southern Sudan where there's been desperate flooding and we set up feeding programs in villages or we drill water wells in in places where they, they don't have access to any clean water. I also work in Bangkok and Phnom Penh, Cambodia, where we rescue young girls from sex trafficking. And we build this beautiful, big home in the mountains of Thailand called Destiny House. And it's interesting. I was the other day, I was at our life outreach Christmas party and, you know, sp speaking to the staff. And I said, I remember as a 16 year old girl that, that, with the way it hit me, what Christ had done, and that nothing that I could do would ever come close, but wanting to be all in. And I said, I realize now at this point in my life, I, I get to do all three of those things on almost a mm -hmm. daily basis. And so that's just 
I, I remember interviewing Billy Graham on his 70th birthday and saying to him, you know, Dr. Graham, do you have any plans for like retiring? Do you think about things like that? And he said, I can see no scriptural um, precedence for retirement. We serve the Lord with all we have until he calls us home, which he did. Mm. And so I found that very encouraging. I love that the, the call hasn't changed, but the location has. So he's put, he's just changed, you know, where, where you get to invest that in the world. That's beautiful. Love that. Well, and we know that uh, life today has reached millions of people around the world. And even just you mentioning the projects you have happening all over the world, that's incredible to see that reach. How have you seen that platform really encourage the church, especially in this season of a pandemic? And I'm, you know, I'm guessing you haven't been able to travel, um, but how is, how have you all been able to still continue the work that you're doing in the midst of all that? Yeah, great question. And and honestly, it's kind of been amazing. When the when the pandemic hit, obviously all my like going flying out and on weekends and speaking to women, teaching um God's word, all of that was closed down. And right. I really worried about what was going to happen to all our projects because I've grown very fond of so many of the people that I work with, I've worked with for the last six years. But the thing I love about the, Oh, sorry, keep going. The thing I love about James and Betty Robeson, the couple who began this ministry, is that they've never had this kind of attitude of, you know, we're just going to go into a country and we're going to be the great saviors of everything. They, they never do that. Their whole heart is, who is God using in this nation? You know, where is the local church in this country? And and then we underwrite their work. So we still have all those people, those boots on the ground, um, working even during these difficult times. But I wondered how our viewers, whether they would think, well, you know, times are tough at the moment. I don't think we can still continue to, to support the ministry. And we, we really just prayed and watched. And I have to tell you, it absolutely blew me away. Um, our, our support increased during the worst time. And I think it's because every day on television, we're able to update people and say, you know, here's what's happening. Here's what God's doing. Because there's something about, I think if you're, if you're born and you live all your days in America, you can become kind of unaware of what's going on around the world. But God is moving in unprecedented ways around the world. In fact, I'm part of a, a group of people where we get updates regularly on you know, difficult situations, people who are serving Christ in difficult places. And the greatest revival that's going on at the moment on planet Earth is actually in Iran, that Christ is appearing to women. And there's all these women giving their lives to Christ and forming these underground Bible studies. So being able to share those stories with our people and remind them that, you know, it doesn't matter what you read in the newspaper or online or what the evening news said, God is still on the throne. He is in control. You know, he hasn't forgotten what's happening. And I think we need to remind one another of that. And I think we come to understand God in such a bigger sense. And we only see him through our lens and our perspective. And, and we see how he is around the world. He just becomes bigger and bigger. And we're connected to something so much greater than our own circumstances. Um, so, what a beautiful way that technology has brought the church together, you know, in, in that way. Um, and hopefully that's spurring the local church 
to continue their mission in the communities that God's planted them. Um, but I, but I love, I love that. Yeah. Well, the enemy, what the enemy intended for harm, you know, God is intended for good. And we're, we're seeing that you're coming out of this season. We're getting to see that evidence. Why would we doubt God to begin with? You know, our faith was so small and uh, he's just showing up right now in some amazing ways. So, yeah. Very good. Well, we know you love God's word and helping women, all people walk in the application of scripture through their obedience. But you also talk about as part of your story, just the ways that God met you in your lowest point and actually use his word, use scripture to help you rise again. Share with us that passage or that verse and how that has become maybe a, a message or a banner that God's called you to share in the world. I would love to. I'm a absolute Bible geek. I'm like a real nerd. That's just kind of my my passion. And I love, 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 love the Psalms. Um, I remember Ruth Graham, Billy's wife, saying to me once, Sheila, when you're studying, don't just read what's current. You know, go as far back as you can in our in our church history because our brothers and sisters have left us a roadmap. And so I read this thing that was written by a man called Athanasius. He wrote it in the fourth century. And he says, whereas most of scripture speaks to us, the Psalms speak for us. They give us a language. So I have this daily habit of, I'll go out in our little balcony and I read three Psalms out loud every day because it's so good for my ears to hear what my eyes are reading. But this is one Psalm that, oh gosh, it's got to be one of my absolute favorites. And what I love to do is I have these two volumes. I'm trying to think what the name of the guy is. Um, oh yeah, Phillips. He has written these two volumes on the Psalms. And what he basically does is help you understand how old was David when he wrote this? What was going on in his life? And it gives so much context and and a greater depth of understanding. And so Psalm 34, which is one of my absolute favorite Psalms, David is a desperate place at this point. He's on the run from Saul. He has lied to a priest and it's going to cost 85 priests and their families their lives. I mean, it's a devastating decision he made. Then he runs away and he moves to a different city um, where he hopes he can escape Saul's wrath. But, but the ruler there says, listen, we have enough problems with our own people and basically tells David to leave because he had pretended to be insane. Now, this is the man that as a boy was anointed to become king of Israel and he's pretending um, to be insane. But he's, so he leaves and he's in a cave and he writes Psalm 34. And this is, let me just read you a couple of verses. This is verse four. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And I find such comfort in that, that even at his worst, even when some of his own decisions have really cost other people dearly, David remembers where to take his pain. He processes pain in the presence of the Lord. And that's one of the greatest lessons I've learned in my own life, that when I'm hurting or in despair or I don't understand what's going on, I process that pain as Christ did in the Garden of Gethsemane, processing your pain in the presence of your Father. That's so good. I love that 
just your daily practice of reading scripture. I think it's easy to forget like the studies we read, all the inspirational quotes we read does not replace living in the word like that. And the interesting thing is when you make a commitment to read, say, three Psalms a day, and you know, and I start at the beginning, and because it used to be I would have my my go-to Psalms, like Psalm 27, Psalm 34, Psalm 91, (laughs) Psalm 23. But when you have a discipline of going through the Psalms from Psalm 1 to the end, you discover these hidden treasures that you would never have read before because A, they look too long or that you didn't like the way they started. But this is the living word of God. And it's just I cannot tell you how it's helped me. I I have struggled with clinical depression for, for some mm-hmm. time. And when the pandemic hit, I found myself kind of spiraling again. But one of the greatest um, things that God has used in my life to strengthen me is the power of his word. Yeah. So you recently wrote a book, uh, Holding On, Holding On When You Want to Let Go. Uh Tell us about this project. Why, how did this book come to be? And how have you seen um, its message really captivate readers? I mean, we know a lot of people are reading it, but tell us what that was like getting that book into existence. Well, honestly, it really came out of that, those beginning weeks and months of me struggling because mm-hmm. I had started writing another book. I'd started writing a book on miracles. I wanted mm-hmm. to understand what does God's word actually say about miracles? Are we yeah. missing miracles around us every single day because we've put them in one category alone? But I'd written maybe three chapters. And when I started to feel myself kind of spiraling, I read what I'd written and I thought, that did not help me at all. And if it's not helping me, there's a really good chance it ain't going to help anybody. So I did what authors hate. I hit the delete button and I scrapped it. And I began this daily quest of the Holy Spirit. How do we live in these days? I knew how to live the way things were. I don't know how to live in these days. So I, I went, I jumped on my Facebook page one night and I said, okay, girls, how are you doing? And please just be honest. Don't say what you think you're supposed to say. Let me know, how are you doing? And I was overwhelmed by what, what women wrote. You know, I'm, I'm afraid, I feel alone. Life feels out of control. Heaven seems silent. So many, I feel like I've messed up so many things. And so I began to read through God's word with that kind of frame, those parameters, and write to that. And, and it's always it's a little scary when you finish a book, you know, you, my husband and I work together really closely. He does a lot of research with me and, and we read the book out loud, like maybe six or seven times before we ever send it to, um, to our final editor. And, but then you hand it over and it's like handing over your child and you don't want to just say, wow, you, your kid is really ugly. You know, you're just kind of hoping that people get it and understand the message. And so having been able this year, to travel more and to talk with women, mm. to hear the kind of feedback uh, has been, I mean, it just makes the whole thing worthwhile. It's mm. the whole point. It's like the world does not need another book. I mean, there's tons of great books out there. You want to know that this, at least for some people, for whoever God decides, it will make a significant difference. Because I did the first half of the book on how do you hold on when this is happening, when that's happening? But then the second half of the book is reminding them that we are being held. We're being held by the God of miracles. We've been held by the God who keeps his promises. So it's, yeah, it's been really encouraging just to 
I, I love to do that. I love to just jump on Facebook live, you know, and just kind of say, okay, you know, let me know what's going on and, and, and tell me honestly, you know, and if, because the thing is when you write a book, you're not sitting opposite somebody where they can say, well, what do you mean by that? Or I don't think I really agree with that. So you just, you kind of put it out there. And then that's why I like to be able to do some kind of live interaction so that, you know, I can listen to people's experiences and also maybe hopefully fine tune some things in my own heart. Yeah. Just as pastors and leaders and mothers and people working in the marketplace, I think the pandemic showed us some of our blind spots and our weaknesses and our understanding of discipleship and what it looks like to live the spirit filled life. And so you're right. We can't encourage enough because there's new areas that have come to life for us that we as encouragers and teachers and pastors want to share uh, and shepherd people in that way because it works. I mean, when you, when you apply the application of scripture and you see that fruit in your own life, that's an easy sell. That's an easy book to write. That's an easy post to write an easy podcast to sit on because you're, you're speaking from that experience, that miracle, that, that transformation. And um, you know, the world needs a lot of encouragement right now. And, um, you know, that is, I think that's the role of God's people is to spur each other on and encourage each other today, you know, so that's great. Well, how how can our friends find out about this book? Where do they go to get that book? Basically anywhere that, um, that books are sold, you can pick it up. But my website is just SheilaWalsh.com and on Facebook, I'm Sheila Walsh Connects and so it's it's just a, it's a great place for us to be able to have more of a conversation rather than just you know here's what I think you right, know, right here's what you think yeah <laughs> I hope you didn't really delete your other book you just hold I, on to it maybe for later I deleted it believe it or not you know <laughs> because there's you know always when I'm writing I'm thinking um, you know Lord is this a, a timely word. Because you don't want, you know, you can have things that maybe happened in your life 10 years ago, but maybe that's not what God is doing now. And I really wanted it to be more of a now word that it would be. I really prayed for more like a tidal wave of hope rather Mm -hmm. than something that maybe I thought a few years ago. I love that. Yeah. Well, speaking of timely word, you actually get the last word. If there's anything that you want to say or ways that you want to encourage our listeners today, how would you, what would you say to them? Well, you know, I was thinking about that before, um, before you and I started our conversation and I wanted to read this um, scripture from first Peter. It's first Peter chapter one, verses six and seven. And it says this, um, so be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. I know that so many of your listeners are going through very tough things right now and thinking, will we ever be back to the way things were? And when will things go back to normal? And what about my children? You know, what about so many questions? And I would just encourage everyone to keep your gaze fixed on Jesus because the eternal hope 
that he has promised us nothing on this earth can touch that. So good. Thank you for your just modeling um, your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and how to minister to people that need that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, the timely word is, I know it makes a big difference to a lot of lot of ladies that you're speaking into their lives absolutely so thank you for your ministry this has been awesome thank you and thanks for having me it was lovely to chat to you both nice yeah you too thanks for taking this time this close to christmas and everything else going on thank you Uh, enjoy your your little your turkey and your white lights (laughs) and your peppermint (laughs) mocha and your (laughs) stocking and um Thank you. Just the way that you encourage us today, just even in on this call. This is awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Man, I love that conversation. The energy and passion that Sheila has is really inspiring. And I don't know, I don't think I could keep up with her, but I love the reminder of reading a Psalm a day. Um, she said that that's part of her practice in daily rhythm and I think it's just a good reminder, like the words in the Psalms, the emotion expressed in the Psalms um, still apply to us today and things we're walking through. So I love just another reminder of staying in the word daily. Right, right. She used that phrase too, like the Psalms speak for us. Yeah. No, and and just that that relational peace with God that we can go and, um, you know, they're, they're, contending for us and and life that that's hard and david just gives us that great posture that we can have before god that vulnerability and authenticity and i can see why she makes that part of her daily because that is a posture that we want to have um and really when you think about it angie when you start with that kind of posture and and read any other book of the Bible. I mean, that can revolutionize even just how you respond to, uh, how you obey and how you show up to, to do what God's word is saying. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Needs to be coupled with that. But, but she was great. I, I also just love hearing her heart for the local church. You know, we've been in such a difficult, sweet season of the squeezing of the local church. And I just love anyone that's speaking affectionately mm. affectionately for the local church and there's that reminder that we're the bride and um jesus loves the local body of believers a broken body of believers and he still is using the local church to do his kingdom work through and so to to not grow weary and to stay the course uh for just the harvest that's that's ahead for us so she was yeah. wonderful absolutely well thanks for listening today and if you liked this episode make sure you share it with some friends um and it helps us every little bit when you subscribe and like these and helps us get these uh episodes out to more people so thanks for doing that thanks for showing up and listening every week we hope you have a great week and we will see you next time